just want to thank our pastors for giving me the opportunity to share the word once again. It's my last preach for the year, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. Why don't we start with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let your presence fill this place. Let no one live here the same, Lord God. Touch everyone. Meet each and every one of us, Lord God, at the point of our needs. Holy Spirit, let the congregation hear your voice tonight. And let no one remain the same after tonight, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to say it was a really, really good night last night. You know, everyone has said it, but you know, what a privilege to be involved in that. You know, many times all we see is this church service. Many of us don't attend the care services. You know, we have a service, we collect an offering, and, and it's really difficult for some people to give. You know, they, they say we talk about money all the time. But it's really, really good when we have an opportunity to show some kindness to the community, to bless the community, to feed people without taking anything from them. And that's what we do every week. We have a few care services running right across the city, and all we do is just bless people that are desperately in need. Amen? And we're talking about kindness tonight, but it's all good. You know, sometimes I wish I could preach with the eloquence of T.D. Jakes. Who knows T.D. Jakes? <laughs> and, and move in the anointing of uh, Pastor Benny Heen. And preach with the passion of Pastor Natalie Taylor. Or preach with the faith of Pastor Phil. Or pray with the steadfast commitment that uh, Pastor Hartley demonstrates. But the reality is that I can't. Because I'm different, you know. I, I'm different. I, I'm unique, you know. I'm, uh, the Bible says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, right in my mother's womb, I, I, the Lord put me together. You know, the Bible says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He knit me together in my mother's womb. And that's why I talk different. I walk different. I have a different accent. And I even smell different. Amen? But the reality is that I'm comfortable in my own skin. And even though that has nothing to do with the preaching tonight, I sincerely do believe that that is a word for someone right here tonight. You don't have to compare yourself with anyone. God has made you different. God has made you unique. God has made you special. You need to love yourself and quit comparing yourself with anyone else. Amen? Is it good so far? Now let's give him praise in this house this morning, tonight. It is good. 
Now, let's open our Bibles. If I were to give this message a title, I would call it The Legacy of Kindness. The Legacy of Kindness. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews 13, verse 2. And it says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. We're not talking about showing hospitality to family or friends. We're talking about showing hospitality to strangers. And this scripture here in Hebrews is referring to what Abraham actually did in Genesis 18, verses 1 to 8. And I'll read that quickly. And it says, Genesis 18, verse 1, and it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servants with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you. Before you continue on your journey. All right, they said. Do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get three large measures of your best flour. Knead it into a dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf. Gave it to his servants who quickly prepared it. And when the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted the meat, and he served it to the men as they ate. Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. What I noticed there is, is a man that is eager and willing to serve. He's running to these guys, welcoming them, wanting them to rest. You know, he gets the best of the best in his household to host strangers. They are not friends. They are not family members. Strangers that he's meeting for the very first time. And he's doing everything quickly. You know, my kids are just getting to that age where we're beginning to ask them to do some household chores. And, and um, I know how, how they react when you tell them to do the dishes or fix their rooms, how they walk and drag their feet. And, and you have to say like five times before you get them to do it. And sometimes they don't even do it. You still have to push them to do it. But Abraham is, is like he's got a desire within him to serve these guys. He's just doing everything quickly, quickly, quickly. And he's looking after these guys. And at the end of it all, there is a benefit. There is an outcome 
to Abraham's choice to serve these people. Because the Bible says that in Genesis 8, verses 9 to 14, Genesis 8, 9 to 14, what happens is that when these guys have been served and they had eaten, one of them said, this time next year you're going to have a son. Even though that son had been promised to him like so many years earlier, but said, this time next year you're going to have a son. And that son is Isaac. And um, Sarah overheard that and she laughed. And But the reality is that the angel of the Lord said, you know, with God, nothing's impossible. I don't know whatever you're dealing with tonight. You've got to understand that with God, nothing's impossible. And even though Abraham and Sarah were old, they still had a child. And that was an outcome of being hospitable to strangers. Amen? Maybe your breakthrough tonight lies in your hospitality. I want to take a quick example, another example from Genesis 24. And I know Pastor Mick mentioned this this morning. It's about, um, now, Abraham had that son. The son grew up and was of an, uh, a ripe age, mature age to get married. And Abraham sent his servant to go to uh, his home country and find a wife for his son. And um, this guy, not really knowing what to do, he prayed and said, you know, he went to a well side and said, look, let the, the lady that comes in here to draw water from the well, whom I ask to give me a drink, let that lady also offer to give drink to the camels. And Abraham went, and in verse 12 of Genesis 24, he says, Oh Lord, this is Eliezer, his servant. He says, Oh Lord, God of my master, Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing here beside the spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says yes, have a drink, and I will also water your camels too. Let her be the one who have been selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I would know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. And before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was a daughter of Bethel, who was the son of Abraham's brother, Nahor, and his wife, Milcah. Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Now watch the response. Yes, my Lord, she answered. Have a drink. Now look, look at this again. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. And when she had given him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the water trough and ran back to the well to draw water for his camels. 
And, you know, he began to question her, who are you? And in verse 24, she goes, I'm the daughter of Bethel, she replied. My grandparents are Nahor and Mikal. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for guests. So, the, you know, the discussion went on, and, and, you know, after he has given this guy water to drink, given the camels water to drink, he went further and asked, do you have room in your house for guests? I mean, he's a stranger and he's still, he's received enough hospitality, but he's still asking if there is room in your house. And, and, and the young lady said, yes, we have plenty of straw. We've got food for your camels. We've got a guest room as well for you. And I'm wondering, how does this young lady begin to act like this? I mean, someone is asking her for a drink. She's not only giving, her, giving him a drink, she's also offered to give the camels a drink. How does she begin to act like this? I remember in the New Testament, Jesus sat by a river and asked a woman of Samaria for a drink. And she was like, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. What have we in common? You know? But this young lady quickly gave a drink to a stranger, offered to give the camels water, I'm wondering, how does she begin to do that? Where did she learn that from? How does she become so hospitable? But the reality is, she's a daughter of Abraham's, she's a granddaughter of Abraham's brother. So the thing must run in the family. You know, the thing, this hospitality thing must run in the family. And as I meditated on this further, I realized the fact that, you know, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. So, for you to have a fruit, a seed has to be planted. That seed has to be watered and nurtured. It will germinate and grow into a tree and then begin to bear fruit. So this young lady, because she's been staying with her parents and her grandparents, the thing has rubbed off on her. I'm sure because, you know, the Bible says that she quickly did this and that and that, but she must have seen her parents do it. She must have seen her grandparents do it. You know, entertain people, entertain strangers, give food to strangers, feed strangers camels and all that. And, you know, so it's all rubbed off on her. And out of the seed that has been sown in her life, she met a stranger one day, and she realized, this is how my parents did it. She didn't have to consult anyone. This is what I saw my grandparents do. So that hospitality, that generosity, that kindness has permeated into her lives. She's been infused with it, you know, and, and so it was easy for her to operate through kindness. So kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. A seed had to be sown first, it had to be nurtured, and it had to grow and get to the point where it begins to bear fruit. Now, the outcome or the benefit of her hospitality was the fact that she got married to Isaac, who was probably the richest man in his time. If we open our Bibles to Genesis 26, 12 to 40, we'll find out that the Bible says that Isaac was a very rich man. The Bible said... He planted a seed in a time of famine, and he reaped a hundred 
fold. He became so rich that the Philistines were envious of him. So that is the outcome of high generosity. You know, I've shared a story here before of how um, I lost my dad just before I was five years old. But I hardly ever knew my dad. I grew up with my uncle. And I remember in those days that, you know, I grew up with my uncle in the city. And I remember in those days we would go to the villages at Christmas and greet our relatives. And, and they would ask me, who are you? I will say, I'm Patrick Wadiai. And say, hmm, that's a big family. Which of the Wadiais? And I'll go, um, Alfred Wadiai. And it's interesting to see the expression on their faces. And some of them would just bust out crying and say, oh, your dad was a good man. He was a great man. I'm not sure God makes people like that anymore. And, you know, even though I didn't really know my dad, well, I had a feedback from people that knew him that he was a good man. And my uncle, with whom I grew up, he was like, you know, we lived in the city. He was a fairly wealthy guy and had, you know, he was rich. But his house was like a hotel. Six-bedroom, duplex, beautiful place. You know, but people would come in and go out, come in and go out. We, we knew people by, we just called them uncles and aunties. Some of them were strangers. Some were relatives. But like, you know, people would walk into your house at midnight and you open the door and you have to give them food. Sometimes you have to cook for them. And some of them would even have the guts to say, uh, can you, do you have something else in the house? I don't want to eat that. <laughs> you know, part of this is culture. Part of this is culture. But like in those days, no one calls you. They just come. And my uncle was a generous guy. He was very open. He would feed everyone. You know, I used to hear my mom say when I was young that my dad used to, you know, once he's coming on the streets with his motorbike, he's asking, has everyone been fed? Has everyone eaten? And, you know, this is, this is what we do now. My wife and I. You know, mainly my wife. We, we run a connect group, and she cooks once a month. And sometimes, you know, I know she's tired, and, but she still wants to cook. So why don't we just get some pizzas? And no, 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 no. We are hosting people who cook. You know, and a lot of people will come, and they will have a feast. Sometimes we give takeaway, and a lot of people would also bring desserts and all that. But this is what we do. We host people. Partly our culture, but, you know, we still have a choice not to host people. We can have connect groups in KFC or McDonald's or something, but we make that choice to cook. Amen? So I guess some of the generosity has uh, rubbed off on me as well. Amen? Now let's give God praise tonight. It is good. Now, I want to finish off with this. I want us to open our Bibles to 2 Samuel, chapter 9. And I'll read verses 1 to 3 first. It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? 
anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. The king then asked, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to him. Now, you've got to know David. David was, he was a really, really cool guy. He was a rugged guy. He was a shepherd. Whatever he did, he did with passion. You know, I have, really, I have two good um, uh, Old Testament heroes, David and Joseph. Well, I prefer David because Joseph was an all-round good guy. The only thing Joseph ever did wrong was tell his brothers his dream. I mean, Potiphar's wife made passes at him and he ran. You know, but David was a normal guy, you know. He would have a look at another man's wife and say, yeah, she's good. She looks good. And he did fall into adultery because of that. Because he was human, his humanity, well, he was a rugged guy. He was, whatever he did, he did with passion. He led with passion. When he praised God, he danced himself naked. Whatever he did, he did with passion. When he was in leadership as a king, he did that with passion. When he was um, thirsty at one point after they had been in battle and his, his warriors broke through the, the Philistines' uh, Fans to get him water, he would not drink that water. He poured it out and said, how can I risk the life of my man and have a drink of water? He was a really good guy, very passionate, great leader. I mean, when he was a shepherd, when the lion came, he would fight, kill the lion. When the bear came, he would kill the lion. David is known as the guy that took down Goliath. And even though Saul wanted his life, Saul wanted to kill him. When he became king of Israel, he says, is there anyone left in Saul's family that I may show kindness to him for Jonathan's sake? He had a relationship with Jonathan. Jonathan was his friend. You know, someone could show kindness to you for God's sake. There are things God did for his name's sake. The Bible says God would do this or that or that for his name's sake. So this guy is showing kindness to someone in the house of Saul for Jonathan's sake. And so there had to be that relationship between Jonathan and David, that is making him act the way he is acting. I'll have the musicians and um, the, musician, the musicians come up to the stage. And, and you're wondering, why is David doing this? He just wants to bless someone. He just wants to show someone kindness. But the reason is because he had a relationship with a friend called Jonathan. And the Bible says, if we jump to verse 9 of that uh, second Samuel chapter 9, and it says, the king summoned Saul's servant Zebed and said, I have given your master's grandson everything 
that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, we eat at my table. Verse 12. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba, Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who, had, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. David opened up his home to a friend's son. Now, just like I was saying before, so because of my uncle's kindness and generosity, or because of my dad's kindness and generosity, my uncle took me in when I lost my dad at a very young age. Now, because of the relationship Jonathan had with David, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, was taken in. He was shown some kindness. And he became very, very rich. So the reality is, we never really know where our kindness will take us to. For Sarah and Abraham, it was the birth of Isaac. And we know that Isaac gave birth to Jacob. And Israel came out of that. You never know where your kindness will take you to. This is what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 25. When he said, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in, into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited, visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you when you were hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink, or a stranger, and showed you hospitality, or naked, and gave you clothing? When did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. When we show kindness and hospitality, Ultimately, we're doing it to Jesus. Ultimately, we're doing it to Jesus. When the young lady met that guy at the well, when Rebecca met that guy at the well, he didn't know that his, her hospitality was going to lead her to, to marry the richest man in the world at that time. When Jonathan showed kindness to David, when he realized his father was going to kill David, he would tell David to run for his life. He would protect David. 
but he never realized that his own son would be a beneficiary of that. You know, the reality is that sometimes in the West, we live lives that are not communal. Sometimes we don't even know our next door neighbor's name. But whenever we have the opportunity, let's not pass it by. Whatever you have to give to a cause that blesses the poor, let's not pass it by. Wherever you have the opportunity to help someone that is stranded, let's not pass it by. Because you never know what legacy you're leaving behind. Amen? Amen. Let's give God praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads. You know, the Bible is very clear. It says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a home. God has a home. It's in our hearts. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears, let him open the door and I'll come in to dine with him and to live with him. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The only place the Holy Spirit wants to dwell is within your heart. And I know that if you're here tonight, you have not opened the door of your heart to let Jesus come in and dine with you. Let Jesus come in and live with you. Let Jesus, to invite Jesus into your home. It's actually his home. He created you. He has left a space for him to dwell. You know, the true benefits of opening our hearts to Jesus Christ is the fruit of the Spirit. When we let Jesus in, the Bible says that these are the things that we get as Christians. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It produces joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you think right now that you could do with some love, you could do with some joy, you could do with some peace, you could do with some patience and kindness and some goodness, you could do with some faithfulness and gentleness, if you could do with some self-control, if you think tonight that you would need to open up the doors of your heart for the Holy Spirit, and you've never previously done so. I'd love to pray with you tonight. It might be your first time here. You may have been here a few times before. You may have actually opened the door of your heart to Jesus Christ coming before, but you know you're not committed in your walk with God. I want to give you an opportunity to do that once again. And so with every eyes closed and every head bowed, if you're here tonight, and you love to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord 
and Savior. I want you to lift up your hand. Wave at me. Is there anyone here tonight? You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never said, Jesus Christ, come into my heart and make your home in my heart. Is there anyone here tonight? You know, you might feel your heart thumping right now. Because you know you should really do this. You know you should really do this. Or maybe you've done this before, but you know, you're not really committed to this. You've given your heart to Jesus Christ before, but you know, you're not walking with him. You know, if the, if the end comes right now, you might be found wanting. If there's anything you don't want to be unsure about, is the fact that you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So if there's anyone here tonight, you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and personal Savior, just wave at me. Amen? Amen. Now let us say this prayer together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, repeat this after me. Father God, I thank you for the work of the cross. I thank you for the price you paid for the forgiveness of my sins. And tonight, I rededicate my life to you. And I ask you to come in and make your home in my heart. Touch my life. Let my life never be the same again. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you. Church, let's thank Pastor Patrick. Wasn't that a beautiful word? I love that thought that you just don't know where your kindness will lead you. Who knows what you reaching out, stretching out, you know, going beyond, above and beyond what you normally would, chatting to a neighbor. You know, even church, can I encourage you as we come into the silly season, we're about to hit December. Shopping centers get a bit cray-cray. You know, the car parks, it's dangerous. But you know, I want to encourage us as Christians, as people who love Jesus, let's, let's be kind. Let's look out for people. You know, help people carry their shopping. Pay for someone in the line behind you. You know, be kind to people in the car park and on the roads. Like, think about who you can be inviting to Christmas services, to Bankstown this Saturday. You know, let's let's be have our eyes wide open, our arms wide open, our hearts and homes wide open in this season. Amen. We just don't know where our kindness will lead, who our kindness could lead to Jesus, because ultimately that is the goal. Amen. Why don't we just stand? We're just going to sing as we finish off the meeting tonight. Let's just worship.